problem solving, I think, is, is what I'm really, I really enjoy and sort of coming up with solutions and, you know, for making sure that we, we're doing it all in the right way. And yeah, I think that's, that's what I really enjoy at the moment. I still love, and I'm not discrediting my cooking, I love it. Like I don't, honestly, I don't want to do anything else. Well, I can't do anything else anyway. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. When we think of hospitality, we often think of cafes and restaurants, but weddings, events, and private dining offerings are as specialized as those, if not more so. What does it take to run a successful group that specializes in this important niche? Ryan Fitzpatrick is the executive chef of the Ahana Group. Ryan, how are you? Good, mate, good. How about yourself? Um, great. It's good to get you on the show. You're a busy group doing all sorts of things, not just weddings and events. Um, you've got a standalone restaurant as well. Um, how are things? Mate, uh, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been good. Very interesting. Very, uh, very busy at the moment. Um, but yeah, we are going from strength to strength, which is uh, yeah, really encouraging. It's multifaceted, the Ahana Group. Tell us a little bit about the different elements of it. Sure. So uh, the Ohana Group's made up of four businesses. Um, our flagship is Ohana Dining, which we started five years ago. Um, essentially, it's, just, it's a, a catering um, business. Um, our first event we ever did was Noosa Eat and Drink, which was sort of threw us in the, uh, the fire, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we took on that. Um, um, but yeah, we do private, anything from private dinings, weddings, uh, larger events, festivals, things like that. Um, we've just uh, recently refurbished our purpose-built warehouse, which we call Venue, uh, which is a play on uh, venue, which we didn't know what to call it. Um, so that's our production kitchen, which we've got a fully custom 10-person chef's table and um a mezzanine for 30 people and stand-up um, functions as well. My partner has just launched a dried floral business called Petrafleur. And then we also have just taken over, I guess, uh, it was one of Noosa's sort of iconic spots many years ago with um, David Rayner having Thomas Corner Eater and we've just opened up Lanai Noosa. So um, sort of seafood-focused restaurants, small plates, pretty casual, um, embracing sort of Noosa's casual, elegant vibe, I guess, is what we're going for. So, yeah. What's it like, you've, you know, opening the venue you just opened recently? What's it been like sort of given the other elements of your businesses are a little bit different to a standalone restaurant? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess Noosa being such a seasonal town, um, opening up in the middle of winter, um, a lot of people sort of said we were mad, um, but it sort of gave us time to activate the, that venue um, that sort of sat dormant for a couple of years. Um, so now that in the warmer months that we're coming into, it's really starting to cement itself as, you know, as one of the, the better venues, I guess, um, working alongside all the, all the restaurants in Noosa that um, everyone knows. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's been good to step back into the restaurant game, um, but obviously has its uh, has its ups and downs, like with anything. But um, all all positive though. Tell us a little bit about Noosa and the fluctuations of the seasons. What's it like as an operator there in a town that's quite reliant on tourists at different times of the year? 
Yeah, I think as um, as many people like on, on the Sunshine Coast and Noosa know, it's there, there's weeks generally from like September all the way through to the end of January is is you know the, sort of the season um, with obviously that December and January periods getting activated with all the um, people coming up. You know that's prime time, but essentially um, what we have to do in Noosa is really we sort of have to look after mainly the locals because that's sort of what gets you through um, to those busy periods. Um, so, you know, as much as it's good to full, fill out restaurants and um, everything during the summer, we, we we still have to cater to those locals, those regulars, um, and still provide, you know, the same same service and, I guess, hospitality and, um, to, to those guys as well. What's the region like in regards to produce? Um, is there some operators that you have connections with and farmers that you can tell us about? Yeah, absolutely. So we, in, in Noosa and uh, the surrounds of some, there's no, besides obviously the, the well-known seafood um, options, um, but you sort of look to the hinterland, there's no, in, there's no real primary industry. It's all small-scale producers and what they produce is, is amazing quality produce. Um, we work quite closely with Noosa Reds Tomatoes. And Peter has had a really tough year because we got hit with floods a couple of years ago, obviously the, the COVID cloud. Um, so his production of um, sort of A-grade tomatoes and herbs and things um, has been quite low. However, he's producing great seconds. They might not be aesthetically pleasing, um, but we value, we basically take what he has with this in regards to the seconds and value add that um, if it's a tomato powder, you know, sugo, or we've got a like an ugly Noosa red salad, which is the same great flavor, but just doesn't look, doesn't look very appealing, um, <laughs> you know. Um, but then we've, I work quite closely with an indigenous organization called Sevgen. They own um, Australia's largest indigenous owned orchard just out the back of Karoi. So, Massive producer of like Davidson plums, native tamarinds, lemon myrtle, satin ash. Um, yeah, so we work really closely with Arnie Terry um, in that regard. So yeah, there's there's so many little little niche um, producers that yeah that, that not many people hear about, but we we try to utilize them the best we can, and especially in those like downtimes as well, because as much as the venues or the events might be quiet during um, the winter months. Um, they're still producing uh, a decent quality, so it's sort of up to us to sort of keep them going as well. Um, yeah, you mentioned the quality seafood that's there, and those waters that you that are just uh, just near you are renowned for some incredible seafood. What's some real standouts for you that you like to utilise from the region? Yeah, so. Um, you know the 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 crowd favourites, uh, Malulaba tuna, the prawns, um, spanner crab. Um, they're sort of the the, the big players of it. Uh, we've got swordfish as well. There's little underutilised like the champagne craze. Um, yeah, there's there's so much um, abundance of it, um, and yeah, we 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 really try to utilise that the best we can. Um, cause a lot of it also gets sent, you know, down, down South and overseas as well. So 
yeah, we uh, sort of have to get our hands on it before everyone else does. Well, I want to explore everything that you're doing um, in the various businesses that you have shortly, but take us back to when you were young. Where, whereabouts did you grow up and what sort of role did food play? Yeah, so I grew up in a, a little coastal town called Ballina, uh, which is about oh, 35 minutes south of Byron, uh, also known as Balifornia to uh, tour. Um yeah, so, uh, you know, a lot of uh, – it's good to see that area sort of thrive with, uh, you know, some well-known chefs activating that area and um, also other chefs growing up um, there like Jesse McTavish and all that. Um, but, yeah, so, sort of same thing, very quite sort of seaside town, um, good fishing industry. Um, yeah, just a, a really, really nice place to grow up. In terms of food, um, I guess our household it was an Irish Latvian uh, household, so Christmases were very different. Um, yeah, with my uh, with my um, grandparents, you know, more seafood focused on Christmas days, prawns and cold cuts, and then you go to the European side of it and lots of sauerkraut and pierogies and you know sausages and things like that so it, it was a pretty food focused um family um so yeah i guess that sort of installed what i wanted to do and my grandparents were always so into cooking so yeah like most chefs i think that's sort of where it all starts is there any sort of dishes that really stand out from when you were young that you can tell us about yeah, so my my great grandmother used to make the, the I guess the translation was bacon pies, but it was almost like pierogies, but they're a Latvian version. So it was like a sweet brioche type bun with like fresh yeast and and a, and a, a fair bit of sugar, um, but inside like speck and uh, confit sort of onions. I guess she didn't say confit obviously at the time, but um, but yeah, that was like that was great with like well not that i could drink also as a kid but with the adults drinking beers and things like that it was sort of like a good snacky thing and everyone just loved it so yeah that that's sort of a, a massive player in uh in the household growing up when did you first start getting interested in food and make the steps into to become a chef mate i, I wanted to start off uh i think it was i i don't which which way it was either i wanted to be a marine biologist because um, I think I went to SeaWorld one time and I was like, oh, I've got to, got to, you know, train dolphins. Uh, but then my my mum said, oh, you have to like study hard at school, which I wasn't really into. And then I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll, you know, I think a, a, a jet went up, you know, the beach at Ballina or at Angels Beach or something. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to be a fighter pilot. Same thing. And mum's like, look, that's probably, you've you got better chance of being a marine biologist than a, than a fighter pilot. Um, so then that, that went out the window. Um, and then I remember, I think the, the memory was at the time in the nineties, Jamiroquai was massive and, uh, it was like prime time, mid nineties. And I remember watching this documentary that young Jamie Oliver went and like lived with him, um, while they recorded this album. And I was like, oh man, that's pretty cool. And so, uh, I guess, I don't know, Gordon probably wouldn't be too proud, but I guess, uh, yeah, Jamie Oliver and Jamiroquai did it for me, you know. <laughs> That's amazing. What were the first steps that you made into the industry and what were the first couple of years like for you? Uh, like as an apprentice? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I left uh, I left 
basically didn't do too well at school except for hospitality and food food tech. Um, so I left school when I was 16 and moved up to Noosa. Um, and then sort of various roles of, you know, first-year apprentice sort of 20 years ago. Not great pay. Worked in like some pubs and some little cafes and things like that. Um, sort of getting my head around the whole, you know, adult life and getting paid not much and, you know, sort of that old school uh, mentality and things. Um, but, yeah, it, it uh, I just kept every day. I just loved it more and more. So, yeah, and I um, ended up working, finishing my apprenticeship um, at a restaurant in Noosa that's still there, um, Sales, um, which then they sort of started – the town sort of activate the uh, Noosa Food and Wine Festival. Um, and so I became quite friendly with all the um, head chefs, you know, because it's such a small town. Everyone sort of knows each other and everything. So I started to work these festivals as an apprentice um, for free just to work with all these, you know, great chefs. Um, because, you know, Noosa doesn't really see big names in hospitality, you know, all the time. It's only that sort of one-week period. So, yeah, that's sort of how it all began and I just became more driven and sort of, yeah, it just made made more sense that that's what I wanted to do. What, what have been the really important venues and people that you've worked with as you built your career? Um, then I guess for me, my, like my career is very different where I didn't – I haven't. I worked in, at the press club um, for a little bit after um, I did a food and wine festival. George and at the time the head chef Justin Wise, they invited me down to do a trial, which you know I had a list of people I wanted to get a job offer from, and there was a you know that they were on the top of the list because you know they won two hats that year, and George won chef of the year, won restaurant of the year. So for me that was like the pinnacle. So. Um, yeah, so for me, that like having that um, under my, you know, I guess offered to me was, was amazing. But I guess for me, what I my career was is has been different. Where I haven't necessarily worked in you know well known massive restaurants and done three years under someone. I've sort of come in and out of like private chefing, uh, working on yachts and things like that, and sort of just finding like what I wanted to do rather than. Um, what you know, what you sort of what you're like working under someone, uh, which obviously has been a bit difficult and at times, but also a bit more rewarding because I've sort of done it for myself. Well, take us on that journey. You mentioned sort of private chefing and yachts. What's you know, take us through a journey of your career and some of the adventures you've been on. Yeah, so um, after the press club, I moved to France, I moved to the, the Southern Alps. Um, and yeah, I worked in, um, I guess I did a, a chalet season, um, for a company for about three or four months. Um, and then that was sort of the invitation of like working privately, um, for, you know, like wealthy businessmen and families, things like that. So I did that sort of for four months and then got quite a number of like offers to cook for these families and businesses and companies and, um, for the summer. So basically got flown around sort of Europe for six months up until the next winter season, um, just doing and cooking for these, for these people. And yeah, it was sort of opened our, opened my eyes to, to a whole different world that not necessarily, I think 
sometimes you get clouded with being a chef, just thinking restaurants are the only answer. Um, but as like a young 19, 20-year-old, you know, th- qualified, but thinking that you know everything, but realistically, no fuck all. Um, <laughs> it's trying to like faking it. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty amazing, really. And I look back on it um, and just the, yeah, what, what happened was, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty great. Well, um, you've cooked sort of all over the world. Do you have any stories of some of the adventures and, and sort of, you know, where you learned some lessons and um, learned to use different ingredients? Yeah, so I guess the, the biggest thing I, I think I said before, like when you, I guess when you're qualified and you're young, you, you know, you're so eager, but the realisation now that, you know, we still as chefs and as people, you still learn, like every day you learn. Um, but I think in your early twenties, you, you sort of get, it gets a bit clouded, you know, you, you think you, you know, as much as you might be getting flown around the world and all that and everything's great, you actually don't know too much and how to all deal with it all. Um, so for me, like my appreciation now is, yeah, like immersing myself in these, you know, destinations and, and things where people you know want you to cook um but also trying to utilize all these um amazing markets and small producers and little families and recipes and people think the people that um, want to show you things and you know and, and sort of using that to then creatively come up with something um you know i think that's for me that's that's a massive thing that w- what i do now and it, yeah it's um it's just really really good Whereabouts did you go cooking on a yacht, for instance? Uh, so the last the last yacht, which was my like, I was there for six years. So we were based in the south south and north Pacific. So basically, essentially, we just did Fiji and Hawaii. So for six months uh, in the southern um, hemisphere for the winter, we'd be in Fiji, and then we'd be in Hawaii for six months for their winter as well. Um, but during that time, we'd, you know, we'd go to different islands and countries and things like that, but that was sort of the rum run we did for, uh, for, for that period. Um, now, you know, like from, from say Sydney to Hawaii is like nine hours, but on a yacht from Fiji, it's, uh, at best two weeks, um, (laughs) you know, and, uh, you know, and I, I thought I, you know, everyone, I hospitality you know you work long hours and you know 14 hour shifts and 16 hour shifts um but on a yacht for two weeks when you you know you've got to cook and you've got to be on watch so you're on like a three hour watch you're getting like an hour sleep and then you're up to cook for the crew then you're on watch for three hours and then you know you're down for an hour and you just you don't know basically what day it is where you are in the world and yeah it's uh it's pretty cool actually Tell us about that sort of Hawaii, Fiji adventure that you're on. Was, is there sort of any dishes from that period of time or things that you cooked that sort of exemplifies your cooking and what you were doing? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, like the the Pacific, both north and south, is, is this the cuisine, I guess, re- gets pretty poorly represented when people go to those places. Like they stay in the, the nice hotels and everything and – you know, there's club sandwiches and pizzas and things like that. But generally, especially in Fiji, the best food is at, you know, at someone's house. Um, 
you know, the um, they've got like Kakonda, which is um, it, it's spelt Kakoda, but Kakonda's their sort of um, national dish. Essentially, it's just uh, a ceviche with fresh uh, coconut cream. Um, they use like Wahoo or Walu. Um, there's a yeah, it's such an amazing dish. Um, you know, often served in the coconut to sort of give you that vibe. The Fiji chicken curry or uh, the Indian curry. There's a massive Indian um, part of Fiji, um, so there's lots of spices and yeah, it's uh, the 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 culture and the food is, is amazing. Um, there's roro. I might be pronouncing that wrong, um, but essentially it's the top of like the the taro leaf. Um, you've got to got to soak it and cook it because it's got this like um, if you eat it raw, it, it almost we I accidentally well not accidentally I did it on purpose but just a small bit and uh, it feels like you eat a whole bunch of steel wool for about four or five hours and you, it feels like your throat's closing up. Uh, yeah, the Fijians told us not to do it, but uh, you know, being uh, thinking that you you know better, um, it obviously caught the better of us, but. Um, but it's this delicious once it's cooked down with like onions and garlic and coconut cream it's almost like a really sweet sort of cream spinach um and it's such a a big part of what they call like a low like a lovo um, which is like a hangi or a luau um, type thing so yeah it's such a such an amazing cuisine and then in regards to hawaii um you know you've got poke um, malasadas which are like a, a spanish or Portuguese uh, donut, um, huli huli chicken on the North Shore, which is like rotisserie chicken. Pineapples are a big influence, and then the shrimp, the shrimp trucks as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's very vast, but such a I feel like a a very unexplored sort of cuisine, I guess. You mentioned uh, Jamie Oliver and Jamiroquai earlier. You know, cooking on yachts and being a private chef. Do you have any stories of celebrities or sports stars that you've cooked for? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Um, I guess, I guess for me, there's like obviously NDAs and things like that. Um, but I've got really good close friends that are more so on those charter vessels that all those sorts of people. Um, book out. I was quite fortunate to work on a private uh, yacht for um, a businessman, and then even some of the um, uh, like the other vessels I worked on previously. It was all very um, business orientated um, sort of people. I guess when I was in Europe, it was more so like like sports stars and things like that. But mm, yeah, I. I don't know. It's it's a tough one. There are stories. I'm just not sure how if I can tell them. You know. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell us uh, about maybe some of the food that you cooked um, without mentioning who the celebrity is one time? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, I, I guess that's the, the another thing is realizing that um, with this like with this sort of uh, career path or or food, you know. There's times in which these they don't always eat like three courses or have a degar. You know, sometimes it's simplicity. It's because they can go to all these amazing restaurants. You know, whether it be New York, London, you know, Spain, and at any point though they can activate those. Um, so essentially, when they use these vessels or, or wherever they are for holidays, they, it has to be pretty simple for them. You know, they just sort of want to, and that's the whole thing I think with hospitality, it's, 
knowing when to turn it on and when you can turn it off, but still providing um, a hospitable um, service, you know, it, knowing the, the, the guest expectations and what they'd like, um, you know, because essentially that's what it is. Like if we're doing Degos every night, like I don't know about you, but it, um, you, you get a bit tired and it gets a, everything gets a bit lost, you know, if, you, if you're doing it sort of four or five days in a row. So, yeah. So where did you sort of uh, leave the seas and head for land and what, what triggered it? Uh, so I, uh, I, my contract finished on the, on the yacht in Fiji. Um, that's where I met my wife. She was a, a, a wedding stylist and with her own business in Fiji. So we sort of decided to uh, come back and reside back in Noosa and um, start up sort of five, six years ago. So, yeah, it was um, – we thought we knew it was happening and, yeah, it was either going to be Fiji um, or, or Noosa. It was sort of a, a pretty – Pretty pretty hard decision from paradise to paradise, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's sort of what what happened. Well, tell us a little bit about the sort of event space and the sort of things that you that you do. Is cooking quite different in that setting? Yeah, so um, like we still offer to most of our guests, um, like the private dining, holiday houses, or and, and all that. Um, we're we still do, we're heavily involved in the Noosa Eat and Drink Festival for next year. Um, but yeah, it, it's, for me, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of organizing, but I sort of, that's one thing that I, like cooking's one part, but the organizing and um, planning is, is such a, such a, a thing that I really enjoy, sort of like problem solving and, things like that. Um, it's such a, um, you know, to it, you sort of get the butterflies sort of weeks leading up to it, but once it's sort of done and, it, you know, no one's died or, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's all worked out, um, you know, it's, uh, it's quite an achievement to, to sort of see what you, what you can pull off. And I guess that's with opening up the restaurant and we just sort of try to slowly push every year and, um, yeah, just try and, try and do as much as we can and, you know, with, with good attitudes and just for the right reasons as well. But what does it take to do one of these big events, you know, whether it's a wedding or, or, or the like? Um, take us through a sort of typical menu that you might do and, and the experience. Yeah, so, like, I guess for, for us, like, with any off-site events um, opposed to a restaurant, you essentially have to work backwards. Um, so, you know, in a restaurant you prep up, your order comes in, you cook it, you serve it. Um, but with off-site catering, you essentially have to take all your kitchen equipment, um, all the plates and everything, and you basically um, plan the dish bef- like as it goes, as it is complete, and you work backwards. And the less steps you have to take into because, you know, you've got variables of power, um, you know, what um, – equipment you can use and you know it sometimes it can be um a bit challenging but it's um you know it, it is it, it's 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 pretty cool sort of planning process um yeah in regards to the menu like say for this friday there's 12 12 menu items um we're starting off with oysters and fries and that's uh that's what the the bride wanted and it, you know i think for me that's uh that's good when people know what they want and we can deliver that that's uh 
like it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. Um, then in you know we work our way down anchovy toast. So we, you know so we've had to order a heap of Ortiz anchovies because that's the type of uh, anchovies wanted. Um, bug rolls. It's it's just all comfort food um, that I think with some people as well with with the events that we do. Food is such a big part of it, um, and especially when you're working with families and things like that, like they really do appreciate you, you know, customizing menus or having, you know, having a little tweak of a dish that they might like as a, a, a kid and sort of replicating that in, you know, a, a canapé form or, you know, a substantial form and just putting a little twist on it. You know, I think that it's sort of those little touches sort of go a long way. So, yeah, it's um, every menu sort of different and I, I guess, yeah, like I said, it's it's quite an enjoyable sort of process, um, you know, because it, it takes takes you away from sort of the, the day-to-day of, uh, you know, the sameness of restaurants and coming in every day of, you know, doing the same thing. So, yeah, it, it's, um, it's, it's, it's good. Speaking of uh, restaurants, can you can you take us to the restaurant and um, perhaps run through a dish or two that exemplifies your cooking in that setting? Yeah, so um, yeah, so we've been obviously we've been open for four months. Um, the the style of um, food is like we said is uh, seafood focused, um, share plates. Um, it being Lanai, I don't know. Maybe people know the space, but there's like a the Thomas Corner Eatery it's the, had the, the porch area or the veranda uh, and, and Lanai means porch or veranda. So I guess we just wanted to sort of um, embrace that. Um, so with that and obviously the extensive sort of travelling through the Pacific, um, sort of bring a few little, you know, of those touches in. So, um, yeah, we've got kingfish poke on, uh, huli huli chicken, which is sort of our take on it. Um, huli huli is just turn, turn. So rotisserie Hawaiian chicken, um, you know, taro chips, uh, things like that. Um, but yeah, we, we just wanted to do, um, you know, cause of the, the style of food over the years have, have changed and expectations of dining and share style is such a, you know, as much as it, there's, um, it, it ruffles a few feathers, I guess, but uh, it's for for us. It, it's just all about like sharing. It's casual. It's you know you generally do it over a table with friends or family at you know Christmas time or birthdays and things like that. So essentially, it's just um, just trying to keep keep that alive, I guess. Um, yeah. Has the move to Noosa and the business that you've set up, has that changed you in the last sort of couple of years? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I've, I feel like it's uh, I've grown up a lot. Um, <laughs> just, uh, you know, it's um, trying to honest, still be a, you know, have a chef brain but also a business mind and um, also the team is such a, a, a crucial part of like where we are. Um, you know, I think we're we're a bit different to I guess most companies where we're we're a very small team, um, but we we're all pretty open and honest with each other. If you know, with if we're having bad weeks or something's happening in our lives, like we're all pretty open and honest, and everyone sort of lifts each other, and we all talk about our goals and where we want to go and things like that. So, you know, I think um, for me in the last five years, a big realization of figuring out what I want to do. Um, and then what my wife and I want to do and 
sort of make sure that it fits in the you know fits in with everyone else and vice versa so yeah it's um it's it's been it's been good it's been a really good oh yeah i feel i feel like i'm an adult now you know after you know <laughs> yeah uh well you're doing uh, amazing things there with a really dynamic business uh, what do you love about what you do um look there's there's obviously it's not always like peaches and cream but um i <laughs> Oh, my favourite thing is problem solving. Uh, not that I'm saying that we've got a heap of problems, but um, my favourite thing is, yeah, just like problem solving if we're at events and like the power goes out or, you know, there's something happens with, you know, a supplier, like how we how how do we rectify that? And just problem solving, I think, is, is what I'm really, I really enjoy and sort of coming up with solutions and, you know, for making sure that we... We're doing it all in the right way, and yeah, I think that's that's what I really enjoy at the moment. I still love, and I'm not discrediting my cooking. I love it. Like I don't honestly, I don't want to do anything else, or well, I can't do anything else anyway. Um, you know, can't, can't jump a plane or train dolphins, but uh, yeah, like I, I love it, and that's all will always be a part of it. But for the adult side of me, just the the problem solving and helping people and. Yeah, even, you know, just giving advice of like where I've done stupid things and, you know, making sure that my team or my friends don't do that as well. And yeah, just providing a, I don't know, just just solutions, you know. Well, uh, Ryan, it's an absolute honour to chat to you today on Deep in the Weeds and look forward to um, everything that you're creating there in Noosa and seeing what you do next. Um, Please keep in touch and we'll have to catch up again soon. Absolutely, mate, and uh, thank you so much for letting me come on. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>